Welcome to the Lot Carey Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, pastor of the First Baptist Church of New Market in Piscataway, New Jersey, and learning coordinator for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. The Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving weekly podcast grows from a multi-year journey among pastors committed to flourishing in ministry. This is a project of the Lot Carey Foreign Mission Society and is made possible through the generous support from the Lilly Endowment. Learn more about Lot Carey and how it helps churches to extend the Christian witness throughout the world at lotcarey.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot org. Join us for weekly conversations with pastoral thought leaders who share wisdom from the Black church for the whole church. Let's join Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, Associate Dean for Vocational Formation and Christian Witness at Duke Divinity School and the Project Director for Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. This week, He's in conversation with Reverend Dr. J. Alfred Smith, Sr., Pastor Emeritus of the historic Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California. We are thrilled to have a conversation today on the Lot Carey Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving podcast with Dr. J. Alfred Smith, Sr. He is the pastor emeritus of the Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California. And so Dr. Smith, it's our joy and pleasure to have a chance to have a conversation with you today. It's a joy to represent the West Coast in this conversation. Some call it the left coast, but I'm happy to be a servant on the west coast and having served for such a long time. Wonderful. Well, we're going to uh, talk to you, uh, talk together a little bit about flourishing in ministry. And uh, you've had a long and distinguished career uh, and for our Lot Carey Pilgrimage of Striving and Thriving experience, more than 50 pastors have been on pilgrimage together toward flourishing in ministry. And we assume that every round does not go higher and higher, that flourishing in ministry requires both striving and thriving and the flourishing in ministry that we imagine can be understood like a tree. Sometimes there are leaves on the tree. Sometimes there are blossoms. Sometimes leaves may be falling away, and sometimes there are only branches. But still, the tree can be healthy and thriving. Can you describe for us what flourishing in ministry looks like to you? 
Yes, I'm happy to do that. True leadership that flourishes or church that flourishes is like the olive tree, renowned for its abundance and extravagance, like the fig tree, the symbol of national security and stability and brings sweetness instead of bitterness. The grapevine that produces the libation of joy and the communion that is used in the temple. A flourishing church does more than the meat, eat, and greet. This church moves from membership into discipleship, which requires teaching that equips persons for stewardship. Some are the obstetricians or the evangelists that bring people into the body of Christ, and others are the dietitians that feed them the word of God so they might grow. And most of all, we need the pediatricians to help people grow up and become new beings in Christ. And the ultimate is to try to help people to move from membership to the lordship of Christ. A church that flourishes moves from creed to conduct, from doctrine to duty, from exposition to exhortation. Wow, that, that's a, a beautiful way of talking about flourishing in ministry and in a comprehensive way. Wonderful. Well, we have been working uh, with pilgrim pastors on something that we call a formula for flourishing, not the formula, but a formula for flourishing. And that formula for flourishing holds that if a pastor's leadership capacity plus the service context yields ministry content, that there is a higher probability for flourishing. And we do not assume that you can just drag and drop a model of ministry from somewhere else and that it's likely to flourish. Uh, after all, you do not expect a palm tree to flourish in Maine. So can you talk to us about how your context of service in Oakland, California, when you were there, how did your context of service inform your content of ministry? The Allen Temple Baptist Church is located in the inner city of Oakland, California, in an area that was something like 
an urban desert. What I mean is that when I first arrived there, we had two banks in the community. We had an infrastructure that provided summer jobs for the youth of the church so they could earn money to go back to college, but the jobs were taken away. They moved to suburbia miles away to flourish the economic health of that community. And we had a strong infrastructure. Uh, the Safeway stores left town, and we had to rely upon mom and pop stores. They took the infrastructure away so that an underground culture developed that promoted crime, the sale of drugs, the only legitimate way of earning a living. And into that vacuum came the Black Panther Party with its free breakfast program and with its elementary school program and with her bold posture to reduce police brutality. And the majority of the pastors were afraid of the past Panthers because of their Marxist ideology. But I was moved to go against the grain and receive stigma by supporting the Panther Party in its social programs because whereas my colleagues were interested in life after death. I was interested in life after birth and what would the quality of that life be? Because when I read the book of John that said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, the word there is zoe, the Greek word zoe, which deals not so much with uh, the length of life, but uh, with uh, quantitative life. And my context determined how the ministry would shape. So when some of the context, if I recall right, uh, from reading your, uh, uh, your, your work and your book uh, and just in conversation, you, you had to minister in a setting that involved gang life and drug life 
uh, and commercial sex work. Uh, and, and all of that was going on in the neighborhood and poverty uh, and sickness. And so are, what are some ways, uh, examples of how the church tried to bear witness to Christ when you had all of that going on in your neighborhood? The opposition tried to say that we were against law and order because we were associated with the Black Panther Party. So I did have an annual day to honor police officers to try to mute that kind of criticism while arguing from the pulpit and at City Hall that it was not humane to shoot a teenager in the back that was running from the police. And it, I had to argue that it's not either or, but it's both and. I had to argue for a holistic gospel or holistic salvation, which was most difficult because there were people in our church who had been indoctrinated with the gospel of campus crusade for Christ. And they wanted me to push a street evangelism where we would get people to agree to four spiritual laws. And if they would give a verbal assent to those four spiritual laws, they considered them to be saved. And I oppose that. My very first year there, I almost was fired because there was a movement that rose up against me over my understanding of evangelism. A good illustration is that Billy Grimm came to town and invited black preachers to sit on the stage each night. And when it came to my turn, I refused to go because I knew that the men standing on the street corner drinking wine out of a paper bag didn't know us anything about Billy and that life would continue in the ghetto as usual after Billy left town. But yet the white evangelicals were call, calling his coming a, a success because the Coliseum was filled, and my people, some of them were embarrassed and stigmatized 
because they were asked, what's wrong with your pastor? So it's the risk that you take when you adopt a certain posture, but one must have a theology of ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and not just the spiritually poor, but the people of the land, the people who have their backs up against the wall. And so I stood my ground and I had several people say to me, Pastor, we don't understand you, but our children do. And because they love you, we want you to stay. And I had that kind of support that counterbalanced my opposition. A word to our listeners. Lot Carey's Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving podcast is funded by the Lilly Endowment through its Thriving in Ministry initiative. We'll be right back with more from the interview. Since 1897, the Lot Carey Global Christian Missional Community has helped churches to extend the Christian witness around the world through prayer partnership, financial support, and technical assistance. We come alongside indigenously-led communities to support ministries of evangelism, compassion, empowerment, and advocacy. Together, we are touching lives with transforming love. You can invest in churches, schools, clinics, and more throughout the world. Visit us at lotcarry.org. That's L-O-T-T-C-A-R-E-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for your partnership in this ministry. Welcome back to the Lot Carry Podcast, Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie, the Learning Coordinator of Lot Carey's Thriving in Ministry program. Each week in this podcast, my colleague, Reverend Dr. David Emanuel Goatley, interviews a prominent Black pastoral leader to gain insight for flourishing in ministry. Now back to more of his interview with Reverend Dr. J. Alfred Smith, Sr., Pastor Emeritus of the historic Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California. Can you talk a little bit about the capacity or how the capacity of uh, being a pastor contributes to the content of ministry? I would say that I had the capacity to listen to the cries of the people in the community and listen to the cries of the people in the congregation. 
in order to counterbalance some of those who are criticizing me for not supporting Billy Graham and not believing in what they conceptualize as traditional evangelism, I asked the chairperson of our deacons to get me a sound truck like the politicians, and I was going to use it to stand in the bed of the truck and preach the gospel. Well, they let me down, and when they let me down, one deacon that understood me brought me a megaphone. So I took the megaphone and invited some people to go with me. Nobody would come. No men would come. Some women came, and they brought Bibles, Gideon Bibles, New Testaments to pass out. And when I went up on the street, with my megaphone and the Bibles and the women following me came to the corner where men were hanging out. And one man spoke up and said, Preacher, what are you going to do with that megaphone? I said, I'm going to preach. He said, what you going to preach? I said, I'm going to preach to you about Jesus, he said, put that megaphone down and talk to us. That was shocking, but it was a revelation. It was the Holy Spirit said, fool, you better listen. And the man asked me a question. He said, I have a daughter at home with a bad leg. Tell me what's Jesus going to do for my daughter with this bad leg? Wow. I knew I couldn't heal her like Jesus healed in the gospel of Mark. And so I said to the group following me, let's go back to the church. I went back to the church, and they were angry at me because I listened to the man. But before I left, I said, give me your contact information. So we went back to the church with the contact information. And I said, that man loves his daughter. He's concerned about that girl. What are we going to do about that girl? Trying to help them to see that salvation is holistic. We need a health ministry. We need a health education ministry and not just a ministry that's talking about salvation. 
about the sweet by and by while forgetting about the nasty now and now. Uh, pastors and preachers, we're so prone uh, to talk uh, that sometimes it's hard for us to listen uh, and to hear. Thank you for that example. Across the years of a pastor uh, and, you know, for the decades you had, uh, so many of us have, have been blessed by your ministry, both as an exemplar pastor, uh, you've been an academic, you're an author, you're a denominational leader, uh, you are a political influencer. And so sometimes when we look at folks who have operated uh, in the influential levels as you do, um, we look with uh, kind of stars in our eyes. So I'm going to ask you to be just a little transparent with us and tell us ab about one area of leadership uh, somewhere along your career that you had to develop uh, and as a pastor and how you went about developing that area of growth. As a pastor, I couldn't be a the Lone Ranger. Uh, one of the mistakes that I made is that I ran for the school board. And I thought that if I got on the board, I could change things. And my people told me, told me, Pastor, don't do it, don't do it. You're making a mistake. My educators tried to tell me, but I was hard-headed. I made a mistake. When I got on the board, I discovered that I only had one vote. And secondly, I discovered that whatever happened wrong, I would be blamed for it because I was on the board. They tried to tell me I could do more on the outside than I could on the inside. And I was trying to be egalitarian and order for justice. And when I realized that it didn't work in politics, I resigned even though I was the vice president of the board and up to become the president. But I didn't stop there. I developed, started developing the laity for ministry and for advocacy instead of me as a lone ranger taking on these issues I started developing the ministry of the laos. There's a laos and there's a kleros. And in Ephesians, it says that the purpose of pastoral ministry, pastors and teachers, was to equip the saints for ministry. So I started a strong program of equipping the saints. And I found out 
that 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 was the thing to do to let each person in their own profession in their own vocation in their own job work as a change agent than trying to be the Lone Ranger all by myself. Tell me an, an example of something that uh, has brought you the most joy uh, as being a pastor. I say this with great humility, but it is a joy. I've helped over 40 women get through seminary and go into ministry, primarily by vocational ministry. Of the 40, two of them have become pastors, only two. But others have been in bivocational ministry. And it's a good feeling to know that I've been an advocate for women. And the church is better for for these women uh, who have been mentored by you. And and we need more of us who have uh, privilege and power uh, to use our positions uh, to to be advocates, uh, to open those doors that have been closed. As we prepare to close our conversation, I just want to ask one more question. And that question is, what is one important piece of advice that you would like to give to those who are listening to this conversation, wherever they are in the world, about what they can do to flourish in ministry? I would say that every pastor needs a pastor, need a mentor that can give you pearls of wisdom along the way. The second thing is to stay green and you grow. Never arrive always be on the journey. Howard Thurman called it staying close to the growing edge. And uh, the last word I would give has to do about love, agape, unconditional love. Well, Dr. Smith, thank you for uh, sharing your love uh, with with us and with all these listeners uh, around the country and around the world uh, as you've been talking to us about flourishing in ministry. Uh, We're grateful for the time uh, that we've been together today. Thank you for the opportunity. Uh, We've been listening uh, to a conversation with Dr. J. Alfred Smith, Sr., the pastor emeritus of the Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California, where he was uh, the interim pastor for two years and the lead pastor for 38 years, uh, where his son was his immediate successor and one of his daughters in ministry is now uh, the, the pastor there. 
we're grateful for this time to talk about flourishing in ministry. Thank you for joining us today for Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, a weekly podcast from Lot Carey as we listen in on conversations with prominent pastoral thought leaders. Join us next week for a conversation with a new guest and fresh insights. Wisdom from the Black Church for the whole church. I'm Reverend Dr. Jacqueline Madison McQuarrie. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving is produced in partnership with Good Faith Media. Music by Makita McQuarrie. Share the word with those who need to hear it. Pilgrimages of Striving and Thriving, wherever you get your podcasts. Also listen online at lotcarry.org. Mm-hmm.